Welcome to the Loss and Lifting Talk podcast. The show is created to help you find your confidence by breaking down the complicated science of training and nutrition and turning it into simple, but more importantly, practical solutions that you can implement right away to start creating real results inside your body composition. We don't stop there either. We dive into the mental aspect of fitness to not only build a better body, but a better life all around. Podcasts were the medium where I learned and grew as an individual more than any other place in my life. The goal of this podcast is to give that back to you to start building the exact body and life that you know you're capable of. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Today, we've got another Q&A episode in the works to where we're going to dive into three questions that I got this week on TikTok. One question is talking about how often you should switch up your workouts. We've got another question talking about anabolic steroids, if I've ever taken them, if I would suggest taking them, as well as talking about glute training and helping you understand what the best exercises are going to be in terms of building your glutes over the long term. And again, with this question, there's a lot of people that have a lot of misconceptions around building your glutes and the exercises that are going to be most advantageous to building your glutes. So stick around for that last question if you want to listen to that, as well as all of these questions are going to be timestamped down below in the notes section. So if you want to skip around and find the question that works better, that you have the most interest in, you're always more than welcome to do that as well. But before we get into this episode, as I always ask, and I really appreciate it because I know a lot of you guys have been doing this. If you could take a screenshot and put this episode on your Instagram story, as well as tag me in it, that way I can see that you're listening. It will show your followers that you're finding value from here, as well as I'll be able to repost it and send you a message personally thanking you for doing so. And again, I know a lot of you have been doing that and I really, really do appreciate it. So thank you so much. Um, again, if you have a little bit of extra time and you want to see the podcast be able to grow even further and for us to be able to put more resources into this thing, if you can go down below and leave it is star rating as well as a written review that just helps the podcast be able to rank higher in terms of um, Apple Podcasts, Apple iTunes, whatever the heck you want to call it. Um, and again, that's just the one way in, in terms of Apple's algorithm with podcasts to be able to push your your episode or your shows out to more and more people. So I'd greatly appreciate that too. But I don't want to take up too much of your time. We don't have any announcements really to go over today. So let's just hop into the questions. All right, so for question number one, it is, I saw your TikTok about not switching up your workouts too often. I've been following workouts off of YouTube that change every week. I was wondering if you think I should switch workouts and make my own that last four to eight weeks like you mentioned. The thing is I've been seeing results and I've been in a calorie deficit and losing weight. What would be your opinion? Really good question and again, we need to add context to this, right? So. When I'm talking about not switching up your workouts too often and keeping exercises the same for at least a four to eight week period, that's just to help you be able to create overload in terms of those workouts that you're doing, right? We have to create progression in terms of our training if we want to see progressions in terms of our body composition as well. That doesn't directly correlate to fat loss if that's your sole goal. When I'm explaining that to you, we're talking about progressive overload and we're talking about progressing your training, that's to help progress your body in terms of building lean muscle tissue or at the very least continuing to sustain lean muscle tissue while in a calorie deficit and dropping body fat. You have to remember that we're not training and we're not exercising to drop body fat. Exercise and training is there. To, obviously, it's going to help us burn a few more calories, which is going to make it a little bit easier to stay in a calorie deficit, but that's there to build up our metabolism, 
That's there to help us create lean muscle on our frame. That's there to help with our overall health, our cardiovascular system, um, our musculature system, have stronger bones, just be a more sturdy human being all around, right? And as we drop body fat, that's actually going to make us look better because we're going to have more, if we have more muscle on our frame, that's going to show off more definition. It's going to create more tone, right? But at the end of the day, do you have to be following the same workouts for a consecutive weeks on top of one another to see progress in terms of dropping body fat? Absolutely not. Because what that comes down to at the end of the day, you have to remember, is being in a calorie deficit, right? It has nothing to actually do with your training. But if you want to take a more optimal approach to your training to where you're progressing that over time to put you in the best position to be building lean muscle definition or tissue or whatever you want to call it, as well as, um, or at the very least, make sure that you're retaining the lean muscle tissue that you have so that as you're dropping weight, that weight's coming from fat stores and not from your musculature system. You're going to want to make sure that you're progressing your training over time or at the very least trying to maintain your strength when in a calorie deficit over time. And the best way to be able to do that is to keep your workouts semi-similar at least for four to eight week periods for individuals, right? Because what that's going to do is it's going to allow you to see the workouts on a weekly basis and you're going to be able to gauge your progressions. You're going to see if you're progressing in those workouts in terms of adding more weight, adding more reps, adding more sets, um, keeping your form consistent, whatever that may be, or you're going to see if you're regressing and you're not able to at least match what you're able to do in the previous week. But if you're training and you're switching up those exercises every single week on a weekly basis, well, then you have no idea if you're maintaining strength, if you're building strength, if you're losing strength, or what the deal is that's happening in terms of your training. So you don't know if you're holding on to lean muscle tissue. You don't necessarily know if you're losing lean muscle tissue. But again, that's not going to affect you losing weight over time, right? And so you have to pull that out and look at the whole perspective of it, right? You're not necessarily training in the, with the same workouts week after week because that's going to help with losing body fat. That's going to help on the other side of the spectrum in terms of your total body composition by retaining lean mon- muscle tissue looking better throughout the deficit phase. And so if it's working and you're enjoying what you're doing and you're feeling better and you're looking good, I wouldn't tell you just to go switch it because you have to and it doesn't make sense to not doing what you're doing because if you're seeing the result that you want, then you're in a great spot. But if you want to optimize your results or get a little bit more efficient and optimize your body composition in terms of building lean muscle tissue at the same time, well, then you're going to need to get a little bit more tedious. And then I would suggest you starting to follow the same workouts for a four to eight week period and building those out yourself. Um, And again, I have a ton of episodes if you go back talking about how to build out your own training program and whatnot in that fashion. So that's really what I would um, think about. Do you want to optimize things even further or are you happy with what you're following and it's allowing you to be consistent where you're changing your workouts up all the time? If that's the case and you're not looking to to optimize, like I'm saying, then I would continue doing what you're doing because clearly it's working. But when you get to the point where you start wanting to create more advanced results and be on top of your strength gains, making sure that you're progressing your gym sessions as well so that you are optimizing your body composition altogether, well, then you're going to, it's going to be a lot smarter for you to follow the same block of programming for a four to eight week period to make sure that you are progressing that over that period. And then you can switch it up after that over time. And again, how this usually works with newer trainees, if you're brand new to training, typically we don't want you changing up the exercises a whole lot at first because learning to work out and these different movement patterns that we're running is a skill. Right. And so if we can keep you doing the same movements over time, you're going to get better and better at that skill of those movement patterns, which is going to allow you to recruit more muscle fibers. Um, It's going to allow you to get more comfortable with the movements and just reduce your risk of injury from training. Then as you become a little bit more of an intermediate, 
you can start switching up your workouts a little bit more. If you're a brand new beginner, maybe like keeping the same workouts for a six to 12 week period is a good timeline. 12 weeks is pretty long. It can get kind of monotonous at that point. So maybe eight weeks, um, six to eight weeks roughly. And then as you get more of an intermediate, then you're looking to switch up your workouts probably somewhere between every four to six weeks. Again, keeping those same workouts in line, trying to progress them over time. And then as you get more and more advanced where you've been doing this for two, three, four years, like me at this point, I'm switching up my training sessions every three weeks, if that makes sense. So I'm adding more of a novelty stimulus more often with different movement patterns because I've built up the skill for such a long period of time with all of these different exercises that I can go into them more frequently without having to relearn that skill to those new movements because I'm so comfortable with doing them. I can recruit the proper muscle fibers that I need to recruit during those training sessions. So hopefully that's a good rule of thumb. The more of a beginner you are, the smarter it's going to be to keep those workouts the same for anywhere from a six to 12 week period. Again, 10 to 12 weeks, it's kind of long. It gets a little bit more monotonous. So probably somewhere between six to eight weeks. Then as you become a little bit more of a, of an intermediate looking to keep your workouts the same for around a four to six week period. And then as you become more of an advanced trainee, looking to switch up your workouts every three to four weeks is probably going to be best in the majority of situations. All right. Question number two, I saw your post on anabolic steroids and was wondering if you'd taken them before. If so, would you suggest it to me at 20 years old? Again, another really good question, and I see this floating around the internet all of the time these days, especially on TikTok. There's a lot of younger people that I'll see like pop up on the For You page and stuff that are actively promoting their steroid use at 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. And first and foremost, I think that that is very, very irresponsible. And more than that, I think that it is putting the cart before the horse, so to speak. I've been training for roughly 12 years at this point. I started back when I was around 16, 17 years old. And at this point, to answer your question, no, I do not take anabolic steroids. I am 100% completely natural. Um, because first there's just kind of like a pride thing there for me. There's a lot of people in the industry who will go out and get that quick fix to be able to get jacked or look really good a whole lot faster. And I'm not saying that if you're on anabolic steroids that it just makes getting in shape extremely easy and there's no hard work still because there absolutely is. It's still going to take a lot of consistency, a lot of hard work, staying on track with your diet, getting into the gym, getting stronger over time. You're just going to end up seeing the result a whole lot faster if you're on anabolics compared to not being, or you're just going to create far greater results a lot quicker. Um, and in my situation, when I was younger, I was really, really tempted to do it. If I'm being honest, when I was around that 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 year old phase, um, I was very, very tempted to get into using steroids. And I just got to the point where I realized I luckily found some people online, honestly, who were claimed natural. I'm pretty sure that they're still natural. Um, they're very jacked. They're much more jacked than I am. And we've been training for roughly the same amount of time. So who knows? Maybe they just have better genetics, genetics than I do, or they're more on point with their training and their nutrition than I am. Who, who honestly knows? But I found some people in terms of the natural bodybuilding community that had really good bodies without going on steroids. And I just thought that, you know, I'm doing this for the rest of my life. If I go on steroids, I'm going to have to stay on them and be dependent upon them forever. Um, and then when I'm not on them, there's these crazy mood swings that happen. And I know it comes with a lot of anxiety. It can come with a lot of depression because when you're on the steroids, um, like you can get in shape really, really quickly. Um, and then when you get to a point to where you need to cycle off, obviously you're not going to stay in as great a shape without the steroids in your system as you are with them in your system. So your happiness is almost going to become dependent upon 
something out of your control, taking anabolics, right? And I got to a point to where I realized, man, that's just not something that I want to have to do for the rest of my life. I feel like I'm far too young at this point to make a decision that's going to impact me forever. I'm still learning. I'm still developing as a human being. I'm not really super responsible yet. And it's just not a point in my life to get on steroids, no matter how bad I want to use them. So I'm just going to really focus in on my dieting and really going to focus in on my training. And I just made that decision. And again, I was influenced by a lot of natural bodybuilders. So if I were you and you're 20 years old and you're thinking about taking steroids, I would really look at the circle of people that you have around you and realize how much that they're influencing you and realize if it's something that you really want to do or are you doing it to fit in or to have more self-worth because you're going to have a better body composition a whole lot faster from taking anabolics? And that's the question that you have to ask yourself. If you're doing this because you're trying to become a, a pro bodybuilder or create a really big name for yourself in the fitness industry, sadly enough, when it comes to you don't have to have be on anabolics or have the greatest body composition in the world to, to create a thriving business. I would say if you want to be a, a top influencer and get a lot of attention quickly, it definitely helps. But... Um, that's a hard question to answer for yourself. And I would say at 20 years old, you're far too young to make that the correct answer yet because I don't think you truly know who you are yet or where life is going to take you. And you have to remember when you start taking steroids, that's something that you're going to be dependent upon for the rest of your life to take. It's like taking the magic pill in a sense, right? And to always have that magic, you've always got to be on that pill because you're never going to look as good off of it as you do on it, which means that you're going to be dependent upon it for the rest of your life. And we know there's a lot of complications that can come later on in life if you're constantly taking steroids. So it's a health decision that I would strongly suggest that you wait to make at 20 years old. Like for me, will I ever get on actual anabolics? Probably not. It's not something that I'm super into at this point. Like I'm not worried about being the most jacked person in the world. One thing if I ever need it that I will contemplate back and forth with with using will be, which will almost make you not necessarily a natural anymore because you're going to be putting something in your body, but is um, getting HRT, which is hormone replacement therapy. And for a lot of guys, as you get older, your T levels, your testosterone levels can start to drop significantly just because you don't have as much hormone production. And I know a lot of guys that it's done a, a really, really good job for just in terms of getting your testosterone levels to high levels. It can help reduce anxiety. It can help um, energy levels. It can just help you feel more vibrant overall as a human being, which makes um, can help with like speeding up your metabolic rate, make it a little bit easier to retain or building muscle tissue, um, which again is just going to have you healthier the older that you get. Um, like I know for my dad, my dad's on HRT and he's in such a better position now he's in his 50s and he started using hrt and he's in such a better position it's something he got prescribed by a doctor right his testosterone levels were down um, he had gained a bunch of unnecessary weight he was in a position to where his energy levels were super slow sleeping all the time just didn't feel very good didn't have much of a drive got put on hrt and now he's in a position to where energy levels are up he's starting to drop um, a decent amount of weight pretty quickly his energy levels are up um, and he's in a much better position mentally and physically. And so in that type of situation, um, like I said, that will be something that I'll contemplate with later on down the road. I actually just got a full blood workup done. I just set it into the lab and I'm going to see where all of my hormonal levels are in the next couple of weeks as that comes back. But just because like, let's say those come back, my testosterone levels are low. 
doesn't necessarily mean that I need to look at getting on testosterone right off of the bat, right? There's a lot of ways that we can improve our hormones without just going and getting supplementation for it or starting to, to take a shot for it every single week and have it injected into our bodies. Because again, once you get on something like HRT or you do something like that, it becomes something that your body relies on. Your body's no longer going to just reproduce testosterone on its own. So it's something that's going to be a lifelong commitment for you to have to be on if you want to feel good and if you want to thrive, quote unquote. So um, it's a big decision that you have to make. And I think that you should go the natural route as much as possible first before you go to a doctor and you get prescribed something like that. But again, like I said, if you're not sleeping very well, if you're not managing your stress, if you're not exercising, if you're not eating very healthy or watching your nutrition at all, those, or if you're not hydrating yourself, if you're not eating enough micronutrients, those are all things that are going to naturally increase your hormone production. What's going to increase your energy levels. It's going to help with your sleep. It's going to help with your weight management. It's going to help with your mood. So if you're not optimizing all of those things first and you just go try to get on like HRT or get, um, get hormone replacement therapy done for yourself, well, then you're just trying to, again, put the cart before the horse, right? You need to control everything that you can control first. And this is how I'm looking at it for myself. If I can manage everything that I can manage and I'm still at not at optimal levels, then it might make sense for me at some point down the road to go and get on HRT um, and, and have testosterone injected into me to put me at the, the highest natural levels. Like not go get it and be get as much as I can at unhealthy levels so that I can get as jacked as possible, right? Just get it to the top level so that I'm in an optimal state to um, have high energy levels, um, have a high sex drive, have be able to have a stronger metabolism, be in a better place to be able to build muscle, things like that at the end of the day. So make sure you're controlling everything that you can control first. And to come back to the question, in terms of being 20 years old and thinking about getting an on anabolic steroids, I think that you're young. I think that you have your whole life ahead of you. And I think that you need to slow down and can control what you can control first, which is which means you're in an optimal position to put on a lot of lean muscle tissue at the moment. You're a young kid. Your testosterone levels are going to be high if you're not training consistently, if you're not eating consistently, and if you're not giving yourself at least a few years to grow into the human being that you're going to be and the man that you're going to be. Well, then you're selling yourself short and you're going to look back on it five, six, seven, eight years down the road and potentially regret getting on anabolics because first you're going to be reliant on those anabolics. And second, again, your testosterone levels aren't going to produce themselves anymore. So you're going to have to take it forever. One, that can be really expensive. And two, it's just not always fun to have to rely on something and to make that decision for yourself at such a young age, I think is very irresponsible. So take a step back, continue to control what you can control. And I would revisit that question for yourself 10 years down the road, give yourself some time and, and don't put the cart before the horse. Question number three, I'm having a hard time building my glutes. I'm doing a lot of hip thrusts, sumo deadlifts, sumo squats, kickbacks, and banded work. Do you have any suggestions on anything that I might be missing? Again, another really good question. And there's a lot of nuance that can come with this when, it, when first and foremost, it comes to building any muscle tissue, right? But when it comes to the glutes, I found that there's been a lot of misconceptions out there and a lot of women fitness glute building gurus giving a lot of information that really isn't the greatest information at the end of the day or giving you enough context to help you understand which exercises are really going to target your glutes the most and first and foremost when it comes to building any muscle if you're a little bit more advanced in your training let's say you're you're past your first year or two and 
you're still being consistent with everything that you're doing and you're having a hard time seeing progress at this point in terms of building muscle, you're probably at a point that you're going to need to be in a building phase first and foremost to put on any lean muscle tissue so that as you go back through a fat loss phase after the building phase, you can show off the extra gains that you've been able to make, right? The biggest mistake that I see people make is trying to stay in a deficit for far too long or expecting that they're going to be able to see really, really good progress in terms of body composition or building muscle when at maintenance or in a deficit. Sometimes we have to periodize in surplus phases. And especially for women, I see them have a, a really hard time with this just because when you go into a surplus phase, that means that you're going to potentially put on a little bit of body fat during that time, right? You're essentially committing to not looking your best for the next three to six months, but you're focused more on building muscle while maintaining or slightly putting on a little bit more or body fat while building lean muscle tissue at the same time, because you're going to have to be in a slight surplus throughout that time, right? You're not going to get through your building phase and while eating more calories and you're going to be like, oh man, I look my best at the peak of my building phase because chances are you're going to have the most body fat on your body at the peak of your building phase once that's finished. And that's when we have to periodize in a deficit phase to drop body fat to show off the extra um, added lean muscle definition that you've created during that building phase, if that makes sense. And so that's the hard truth that you have to hear first and foremost. If you've been training for a decent amount of time and you're still struggling to build specific muscle groups that you want to, chances are you probably need to put yourself in a building phase to put yourself in the most optimal position to be able to build muscle. But again, if you're, with, if you're within your first one or two years, not nearly quite as important. You're going to be able to build a decent amount of muscle just being in a deficit or being at a maintenance level of calories and just focusing on getting stronger over time. But like I said, the more advanced that you get, it's just more optimal to be in a slight surplus when the focus is to build muscle. So that's what I want to touch on first. If you guys have questions on that or anything deeper, as always, there's always a link down below lostandlifting.com backslash podcasts where you can ask questions there and then I can bring those questions onto the show as well. So don't forget that that link's always there. Those questions, if you hit submit, it will go directly to my inbox. I'll be able to see it and I can answer any questions that you guys might have. I'll help you one-to-one directly as well as bring those onto the show if there's something that I feel like will help the majority of listeners that, that tune in as well. So keep that in mind. But first and foremost, you may have to periodize in a building phase in terms of your nutrition. Put yourself into a surplus. Then when it comes to exercise exercise selection when it comes to building your glutes. There's a few misconceptions here, and I've been doing a lot of research on this myself. I've been following a few guys that have brought a lot to light for me in the last while that that really makes a lot of sense, guys that are deep into the research, that are very, very experienced in terms of their training, very, very experienced in terms of biomechanics, much more intelligent than I am as a human being and much more intelligent than the majority of fitness influencers that we watch, um, that we follow inside of our news feeds, right? And these guys are talking about the idea that that when it comes to building your glutes, there's been such an emphasis on doing wide stance, lower body workouts to build your glutes, right? And there's been a lot of research done on this lately that's actually starting to show that the wide stance for like sumo squats or sumo deadlifts or a wide stance leg press, all of those exercises aren't really that great at targeting your glutes at the end of the day. Now, they'll definitely hit your glutes a little bit, but they're not the most optimal exercises to be building your glutes. They're actually targeting your adductors, which is like your inner thigh, much more than they're actually targeting your butt, which makes sense, right? Actually, when I didn't know this 
for a long time. I'll be 100% transparent with you. And I think any trainer that tells you anything different is probably lying because it's been something in the, the fitness industry for such a long time. Wide stance hits glutes better. If you see any fitness influencers, it's what they're all following, right? They're all preaching that, which um, I didn't know this for a long time. But as I was doing sumo squats and and sumo deadlifts, different things like that, wide stance, leg press, or or programming it for clients for decent amount of time. They're always talking about how the inner part of their legs were getting sore. They're definitely feeling in their glutes, but their adductors are getting sore. It makes sense looking back now, right? That that a wide stance is going to place that greater emphasis on the adductors at the end of the day. Because when you're wide stance, it's going to be a lot more emphasis on that inner part of your thigh. And so long story short, if you're doing a lot of sumo stance, wide stance workouts, that's probably the first place that I would look to start switching out some of those exercises for more exercises like, like you said, hip thrusts, glute bridges, RDLs are great, Bulgarian split squats with a forward lean, reverse lunges with a forward lean, or a leg press with a high stance, but I would actually look at bringing your stance in and just putting it higher on the platform. So having maybe a shoulder width or just inside of shoulder width stance on the leg press, but making sure that you're high on the platform, right? Because that's gonna put a greater stretch at the hip joint, which is gonna put a greater stretch on the glutes and force you to use your glutes a little bit more than you're gonna have to use your quad. So those would be the big exercises that I'd be focusing on in your programming. And then again, you can sprinkle in some things like kickbacks, you can sprinkle in some things like um, abductions, you can sprinkle in donkey kicks, little things like that to help just with overall volume at the end of the day. But you should really try be trying to progress in roughly the six to 15 rep range with those exercises, like I said. Um, different versions of the hip thrust, of the glute bridge, of the single leg Bulgarian split squat, of the reverse lunge, of the high stance leg press, um, and the RDL or the hip banded RDL, or even like the 45 degree bench extension with the glute focus to where you keep an upper back, your upper back rounded throughout the exercise. And you put more of an emphasis of pushing through your hips in that movement to bring your upper body up and squeezing at the glutes. It's going to put a lot of tension on your glutes as well. So those would be the big movements that I would put in terms of your training. And then again, sprinkle in a little bit of the isolation stuff, like the kickbacks, like the donkey kicks, like the abductions, different things like that. I wouldn't put a whole big emphasis on those. I put big, the biggest emphasis on those exercises I just explained because when it comes to glute activation and what exercises are being worked in terms of biomechanics, those have been the exercises that have been proven to put the most emphasis on your glutes during those exercises. But again, we see people all the time in the gym. And like I said, I was guilty of this at one point. I was guilty of programming this at one point. And that's the point of evolution and learning and continuing to try to keep an evidence-based approach, right? Is that you never try to get too stuck in what you're doing because new research can come out, people that are smarter than you that can figure new things out and you have to be adaptable as a trainer. And if you're not and you're always stuck in your old ways, well then you're gonna be preaching the wrong things and you're gonna get lost in the times. And so it's very important to always stay up to date with the evidence, always stay up to date with people who are smarter than you, who are researching day in and day out and take this stuff very, very seriously because chances are there's going to be new findings that are always coming out and then you can start to learn and kind of get ahead of the curve as well um, and be able to help your clients more and more if you're a trainer. And so just never being too dogmatic in your approach and continuing to learn is super important because again, like I said, I was programming a lot of wide stance stuff back in the day in hopes of it building my glutes. Now, with that said, does this mean that you should not do sumo squats or that you should not do sumo deadlifts or wide leg, leg press to grow your glutes? Is that something that you should absolutely stay away from? 
That's not what I'm saying. This doesn't mean that those exercises are bad by any means. It just means that if you're having a hard time building your glutes and you're focusing the majority of your workouts around those types of exercises and you're not building your glutes like you want, there's going to be more optimal exercises in terms of biomechanics to build your glutes like the exercise that I explained just a minute ago. But again, some wide stance stuff to build the inside of your, your adductors, the inner part of your leg. That's still something that you can do as well. If you enjoy those movements, this doesn't mean you shouldn't do those movements. Like my wife, Clara, she really loves the sumo deadlift. Um, she just likes to be able to lift weight and she likes to be able to be strong. And that, that movement sets up for her frame very, very well. And she's very strong at that movement. And so we've had this conversation and she's like, man, well, should I stop doing sumo deadlifts? And it's like, well, were you doing sumo deadlifts in the first place to build your glutes? Or are you doing the sumo deadlift because you like to be strong? And you like to lift heavy weight. And she thought about it. She's like, really? I'm doing it because just because I really like it. I enjoy the movement. It's like, then there's no reason not to continue doing it. At the very least, you might build your glutes from that exercise a little bit. Um, you're definitely hitting your adductors. But if you just like the movement and it gives you something that you're excited to go into the gym to be able to do, then by all means, continue to do that move. It doesn't mean that you can't do it or that it's a bad exercise. It just means that it's not the most result-induced exercise when it comes to building your glutes at the end of the day. So don't demonize those exercises. Just look at your situation, look at the exercise selection that you're choosing, and then start to optimize it a little bit better if you're not seeing the result that you want from it. And then again, like as far as frequency goes and volume goes, when you're building up your glutes, looking to probably be hitting them, if they're a priority to you, probably two to three times per week in terms of your training, and then aiming for somewhere between roughly 10 to 20 sets. If you're a little bit more advanced and you've been training for a decent amount of time, let's say like plus two years, and I'd be aiming for around 15 to 20 sets per week in terms of your glutes that split up between those two to three days per week. Or if you're a little bit more of a beginner slash intermediate, just getting into all of this, probably 10 to 15 sets per week. That's again, split up over those two to three sessions per week. So hopefully that gives you a little bit of an insight and gives you a little bit of a better idea of what to focus on. Again, a lot of single leg type movements, Bulgarian split squats, reverse lunges, deficit split squats are really good. But again, when you're doing single leg movements, you're going to want to make sure you're getting a hinge at the hip. So as you come down, you want to make sure you create a forward lean with your torso to put a bigger angle at that hip joint, which is going to put a bigger stretch on your glutes, which is going to force you to um, activate your glutes more than that, more in that exercise, as well as things like the RDL or the hip banded RDL as well as the 45 degree extension um, with a, a glute bias and then hip thrusts, glute bridges. Those are all going to be your bread and butter paired with a little bit of that isolation work on top of that. So hopefully that answers your question. Like I said, that is going to be the end to today's episode. Like I said before, when we started the episode, if you would take a screenshot, put it on your IG story, I would greatly appreciate that. Don't forget to tag me in it so I can send you a message thanking you for doing so. And again, I just appreciate you guys for tuning in. Have an amazing day. And I'll talk with you soon.